Split has made its way into theaters, but does this new horror film from director M. Night Shyamalan live up to its current 75% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, or did Shyamalan hit us with another flop of epic Last Airbender proportions? Find out right now on another episode of Matt and a Matinee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Matt and Matinee. If the title doesn't already give it away, I'm your host, Matt. And this week I'll be reviewing Split, the latest film from director M. Night Shyamalan, starring James McAvoy, Anna Taylor-Joy, and Haley Lou Richardson. As always, my format will stay the same. I'll give you my likes, dislikes, all spoiler-free, and I'll make sure to let you know before we head into spoilers, so that way if you haven't seen the film yet, you can stop this cast, go see the movie, and come back here to find out what my final thoughts on Split were. Split follows three girls who are kidnapped by a man with 24 different personalities. Throughout the film, they have to work together to figure out which one of these personalities will help them escape or which one of these personalities will try to stop them. My likes on this film. I love how fast this movie gets into everything. It doesn't waste any of your time giving you backstories and introducing the characters and letting you know what their favorite food is or their favorite music or showing that stupid like getting to know you phase. It just kind of it starts you're in one of the girls birthday parties they're waiting for um this other girl to be picked up by her ride and it just like i said they get kidnapped and it it just goes um it gives you the bare minimum you need and and allows it to that allows it to reveal more as the movie goes away or not goes away but goes along this film is very much like an onion has many different layers and throughout the film you're kind of pulling back those layers or peeling back those layers to find out more about these characters as the film goes along i like that a lot it allowed the movie to just get up and go it didn't make for any of that awkward origin or backstory for all these characters that you didn't really need in order for this movie to work james mcavoy gives an award-winning performance in split as kevin a man who is suffering from disassociative identity disorder McAvoy's truly outstanding acting ability is something that shouldn't go unnoticed when next year's award season rolls around. The way, he, the way he's able to slip in and out of flawlessly um, playing these different characters that occupy Kevin's head, giving them each their own quirks and personalities, it's something that's better seen for yourself on the big screen. But just I was in awe of the way he can go from playing a, a character who's obsessed OCD um, to... A female character and actually get like those female mannerisms and corks and just little ticks down and then can go into playing a nine-year-old boy and and back again it just it's amazing how he's able to just kind of flawlessly slip in and out of these characters and and give them their own different characteristics um and it's just it's a testament to his acting ability that he's able to do that uh m night Shyamalan has a stunning return to form in this film as in my opinion has been the best film he's written and directed since signs yes six Sense is good yes unbreakable is good those movies came before signs this literally has to be his best movie since signs it's it's written well it's directed well it's shot well this movie is all around done really really well and like i said it's got to be some of his best uh, work since signs anna taylor joy's portrayal of casey in this film was well delivered by the young star making her easily the character you connect with the most. You know from the moment she shows up on screen that this girl has a past, and I found myself wanting to know more and more about her each, as each layer was pulled away throughout this film and how she can remain so rock-solid throughout situations that are taking place in this movie. She is one of those people that throughout this entire movie, 
um, situations are going on and she's trying to think a step ahead. Like she's trying to strategically play it out and it all kind of plays out later on in the movie and you find out what it is and why she's able to do this. But she's kind of like the level-headed person that's trying to think everything out and trying to find a way to get him out of there while these other two girls are just kind of like fucking losing their minds throughout this entire situation. She's very, very calm. She never really like gets over, like is bigger than she needs to be. She's very just calm and collected and and kind of obsessing or obsessing, but um, yeah, obsessing the situation observing the situation, obsessing the situation, whatever you say, however you say it. Um, but she's kind of just trying to plan her next move and find a way outward to where these other girls, typical movie style, make the stupid mistakes and and get caught and stupid stuff like that. Uh, the cinematography in this movie was fantastic. If you happen to see the 2014 film, It Follows and felt like some of the shots and split felt a little familiar. That's because both movies were shot by the same cinematographer, um, the cinematographer does a great job keeping the camera work. Um, it's brilliantly contained, uh, and at times it even leaves you feeling claustrophobic. Uh, the lighting was great, <clears throat> making this one of M. Night Shyamalan's best visual movies visually. Um, and what I mean by that is he does a good job of keeping the frame contained to where when you're running down a tight hallway, it feels like you're you're in a tight hallway it's not this big open room um the spaces each space feels confined like you would think it would um it's not open it's not um you're not like in this huge hallway running down it's it's meant to make you feel like you're in a tight cramped hallway and they do a very good job of of framing that and shooting it that way uh the score to this film isn't overpowering and oftentimes goes unnoticed till it starts to creep into a scene, giving it that perfect compliment um, to add to your feeling of uneasiness. And you will spend a lot of time in this film feeling very uneasy. The film does a very good job of dealing with the lines between the, the hints of comedy M. Night Shyamalan sometimes likes to put into his movies. Uh, the best example of this is with Hedwig, the nine-year-old uh, boy personality. Uh, the film does a great job of giving you some comedic aspects of this character that make you um, love him and make him very lovable, but it's quick to snap you back to remind you that there's something that you should fear in him. The movie does this a lot, and this is another testament to how good uh, James McAvoy's acting in this movie is, is. He seems very, Hedwig is at times very childlike and acts like a child, and the girls try to kind of take advantage of that a little bit and try and get him to help them escape and he he kind of plays along with it but then automatically snaps back into it to where like you know you he gives you that that lovable feeling where he's like oh can I kiss you I've never had a kiss before and then like she hesitates to let him kiss her and <clears throat> he's like is there something wrong with me like he gets super angry and it's just like that that fine line between and there's another scene in this movie. It's not really um, a spoiler, but the best portrayal of this is is he um, has a, a stereo or a CD player with the new Kanye West album, and he he goes and he puts on a dance performance for Casey's the main female character, kind of showing her his room and you know like typical things nine year old kids are gonna do, 
And then halfway through it, she's like, you know, he's like, you've seen it in the trailer where he, he's like, you want to see my window? And he's got a window drawn. She's like, I thought you said you had a window. <coughs> and he's like, I do. It's right there. Open, closed, open, closed. And he's like, you know, very childlike. And then all of a sudden he snaps and he's like, wait, did you think of him in a real window so you could try to escape? And he gets really like angry and mean and just vicious to where, like I said before, the statement where he's very childlike and lovable, but then on a snap of a finger, he's back to being someone you should should probably fear. Um, M. Night Shyamalan puts a lot of trust in the audience in this film. He sets up a lot of story elements here and there that would um, that won't be fully understood stood or realized about characters and situations till the film starts to play out, uh, making it that more impactful at the end of the movie. Um, I know it made me want to see it again in a different perspective when you finally put all the dots together and all the layers are peeled away and you kind of put everything together. And what I mean by um, he trusts the audience is he kind of wants you to go on this journey with him. He's not giving you everything right there in the forefront. Like you have to kind of to work to put the pieces together yourself. And he's trusting that you're going to put these pieces together yourself. And he's trusting in the film to make that it's going to be entertaining enough and, and dramatic enough and suspenseful enough that you're going to stay entertained throughout this almost two hour film. And you're going to go on this two hour ride with him. And he's going to give you a little bit here, give you a little bit there to where when you finally connect the dots at the, the, the end of the movie, you feel like you got something from this two hour journey and that because you, you stood and, and held on and didn't um, lose interest that you're, you're getting your big reward and big payoff. And I just thought that was really, really nice. I love when filmmakers do that and they trust the intelligence of the audience instead of just kind of spoon feeding you everything. That's, that's something I really enjoy about films and, I think it speaks to the class and the quality of the director when they, they believe in their product enough to let it speak for itself and do that and let things play out through progressively throughout the film instead of spoon feeding you. Cause there's really nothing worse than a film um, where you can guess what's going on midway through it. Like arrival um, arrival was a good film, but midway through it, and the fact that it was, it was all told like kind of through flashbacks, but midway through it, you, you kind of understood what was going on. You're like, Oh, well this and this, and you're already putting the pieces together. Uh, split. It wasn't like that for me anyways. Like I was invested in the film. I was along for the ride. And as they were coming together, I was connecting the dots, but the way this film is written and it speaks a testament to M night Shyamalan going back to his form is he'd give you two pieces that would connect but then you're like, all right, well, this connects to this that happened, but what's next? Or how does that connect going forward? And you're, you're trying to put these pieces together. And you're like, well, there's so many elements here that can connect that when the actual connecting element hits you, you're like, damn. And then you connect that one. And you're like, okay, well, this connects to this to this, but where does it go now? And it's, it kind of always keeps you guessing. And it, it trusts, you're going to trust in, in the film to, to deliver you a to a destination that you're um, you're okay with being at or maybe not okay, but satisfied with. Satisfied with is probably a better 
a better term. <clears throat> and it, it does just that. If you are willing to <clears throat> play a little bit of detective and kind of piece everything together as it comes, it leads you down a path that is very satisfying and pays off in the end. Uh, let's get into my dislikes. Dislikes. The performances from the two other girls in this film, Haley Lou Richardson and Jessica Sola, uh, at times come across as empty or very forced or over the top. There's a lot of times um, when they're being kidnapped and throughout the first act and they're all kind of in the same area where they're very over the top, especially Haley Lou Richardson's character. Um, she <clears throat> plays it way bigger than it needs to be. It's, it's over the top compared to the other two girls. She's just kind of like that typical like stupid 70s horror slasher chick where she's like screaming all the time or trying to make stupid decisions or knee-jerk reactions. She's not <clears throat> thinking rationally or listening. She's just kind of acting on pure instinct. And at times it doesn't pay off. It doesn't feel real. It feels very forced. It just it just kind of feels like at times it feels like she just showed up and, and didn't really have any vested interest in this character. And she just acted and she didn't put um, everything she had behind it compared to the other two girls. Um, I, you know, and maybe that's just my feeling. I know a lot of this is going to be lost because they're trying to keep your focus on uh, Anna Taylor-Joy's character, Casey, because she's kind of the main character in all this. Um, the other two are just supporting. And I guess her, her performance kind of gets overshadowed by that because um, Anna Taylor-Joy does such a good job in this film. Um, but I just feel like her her character was over the top, and I just don't feel like it came across in her portrayal uh, very well. Uh the first few opening scenes of this film are a little bit clunky. Um, and a lot of the dialogue feels forced and just doesn't work. There's just times where they're having a discussion in, uh, so when the film opens, it opens up a year at Anna Taylor, Anna, Anna Taylor, Joy's character's birthday party. And she's sitting there with her friend and her dad and he's telling dad jokes and Casey's on the phone waiting to be picked up. And she's like, I can't get a hold of my ride. And her dad and the dad's like, well, I'll give you a ride home. And she's like, no, that's all right. And he insists. And it just kind of like plays out and sues into this bad dad joke. And even when they're like kind of walking to the car, it just it felt very clunky and and forced. And it almost felt like you were watching. And, and I hate to use this terminology, but it almost felt like you were watching a low budget like porno. <laughs> it was like a porn film. Like, you know, the dialogue is cringeworthy and, and just full of, like, dumb jokes and and dad jokes. It's just it kind of make you, like, skin crawl. That's kind of how, like, the first act in this film is. It's, it's very, the first few scenes in this film are very cringeworthy. They're very clunky. The acting is, the acting is comparable to maybe, like, a fucking porno. Like, B-rated porno. Um, some of the scenes drag out for a long time. Uh and longer than they are needed, but only happens a few times in the movie. Um, there's one part where Kevin's therapist is kind of giving a, a speech on his disorder and how it works and, and all this, this stuff. And it goes a little bit longer. It's probably a good 10 to 15 minutes, maybe not even, maybe I'm over exaggerating that of the film. 
but it just feels like it's, it's a part that could have been cut down and trimmed. Um, but it, it felt very lengthy and, and kind of almost, almost took you out of the film a little bit. But I mean, it was like one of those layers, like I said, where it was kind of explaining everything and giving you, giving you that backstory that you kind of needed on Kevin and the disorder so you can understand exactly what's going on with this character. Um, all right. If you have not seen Split yet, stop it right here. Hit that stop button. And don't go any further because we're going to get into spoilers. We're going to go into spoilers. I'm going to give you five seconds to hit that stop button. And then we're going to be into spoilers. Starting now. Five. Four. Three. Don't think I'm joking. Two. It's going to be spoiler filled. One. All right. If you are still here, if you have not hit that play button, this is your last warning. If you've not hit your play button, that, that stop button, and you're still listening, then we are about to walk into the spoiler zone. So, let's get into some spoilers. Um, throughout the film, we find out that with each, with each personality that Kevin possesses, that personality has a different characteristic and trait from the others. Like one might be a diabetic or they might have bad vision or traits that Kevin himself does not physically possess. This trait manifests inside of Kevin when that personality takes control or as they refer to in the film, takes the light. Um, such as the case within uh, Kevin's new personality, the, the one that takes over becomes the beast and that through rage um, and... Um, yeah, well, yeah, I guess rage and kind of feasting on the pure, uh, becomes indestructible in a sense. Um, there's a scene where he kills the other two girls and he's kind of like crawling on walls and all over the place. And in case he has a shotgun and she's shooting him and like the bullets are just, he's dodging them and bouncing off of him. And then one time where it like hits him in the chest and it just takes like the top layer of skin off of him, but doesn't actually penetrate. It doesn't hurt him like it. He's all buffed out and veined out, and it kind of at times is like, man, this is okay. Like this is a little too much. It, I don't think this could really get this far, but it's still kind of an interesting concept. Um, but let's get into the twist. Oh my god, the twist at the end of this film. The big twist at the end of this film is it turns out this film takes place within the Unbreakable universe. If you don't know, Unbreakable is a superhero esque film. The M. Night Shyamalan put out in 2000. The end scene takes place inside of a diner, and the news on the t- uh, on the TV is reporting about the events that took place in Split. When you see a woman say this, reminds her of a story from a few years ago about a man whose name she couldn't remember. The camera pans around her to show Bruce Willis sitting next to her with a security shirt on and the name Dunn on it. Um, he says, Mr. Glass. Um, revealing that he is in fact David Dunn from the the main character from Unbreakable. This reveals that you just spent the last 157 minutes watching an origin story for a future supervillain. That blew my fucking mind. I love Unbreakable. It's such a good movie. If you don't if you've never seen Unbreakable, Unbreakable is essentially a movie where um Bruce Willis plays David Dunn, a man who somehow um develop these powers where he can't be hurt. His only weakness is water is drowning. He can't swim. Well, he comes across Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Glass, who has brittle bones and 
breaks easily that um, tries to convince David Dunn that he's a superhero and goes to these great lengths. And Bruce Willis's character has the ability that where like he can has kind of like a sixth sense, but on dunch, or where he like brushed you or touched you and he can see if you did something bad. Um, but it turns out Mr. Glass was a bad guy throughout that film, and in is he gives a whole speech about how you know the villain is always opposite of the hero. And since David Dunn is indestructible, um, then since he's fragile and weak, he's he's the villain, the alternate version of David Dunn. So that was kind of cool. So Split, it takes place inside of the Unbreakable Universe, and it's essentially the origin story of this <clears throat> this character, this villain. Um, M. Night Shyamalan had been on record as saying that uh, his original plan was to have David Dunn faced off against one of Kevin's personalities in Unbreakable, but he couldn't come up with a way to properly introduce that character. So he went with the main, um, with the man in the orange jumpsuit instead. So if you remember Unbreakable, the guy who knocks on the dude's door and he's like, I like your house. Can I come in? And he's like, no. And then he kills him and pretty much kidnaps his kids and ties them up. And then the wife, and he's like sitting there spitting water on the wife. And it's kind of, uh, where David Dunn sees this and he kind of saves them and, Kind of that's when he fully harnesses his his superhero role. Um, they originally wanted to have Kevin from Split in there, but he couldn't figure out how to put him in there, so he just kind of waited and he took shots for Split that were shot for shot originally planned out for Unbreakable, and put him in this movie. So I thought that was kind of kind of cool. Uh, I found myself wondering throughout this film how Anna Taylor Joy's character Casey could remain so uh, steadfast. And like stone throughout what was happening. The beginning of the movie, one of the uh, personality grabs one of the girls after telling her, I choose you first. Casey tells her to pee herself as she's dragged away behind closed doors. Moments later, the girl is returned to the room and the personality is calling her unclean as if she, uh, as she in fact peed herself. How did Casey know that would work? Well, through flashbacks in the film, we start to peel back the layers of the onion that is Casey and we find out that Casey hit it endured years of physical and sexual abuse from her uncle who became her guardian after her dad dies. <clears throat> so throughout the film, you see flashbacks of, it's kind of like I said, telling her backstory through flashbacks of when she's a young girl and her and her dad are on this, and this uncle are on this hunting trip and her dad is telling her how to hunt. She's like, you got to, you know, kind of predict the animal's movements. You can't always just shoot first. Like you got to watch the animal and follow the animal and, and lead the animal and and things like that. And he that all kind of plays out into this movie of how she's observing and you gotta wait and take your moment and, and choose it wisely. And it's kind of all playing out in how this film is flowing and how she's handling these situations and how she's dealing with each one of these different personalities and, and things like this to try and survive. Um there comes a scene where her uncle her dad's sleeping in the tent when she's a kid and her uncle like Cooks has to come out and he's like, come on, let's play animals, let's play animals. And he's like naked on all floors, on all, all not floors, fours behind these rocks and stuff. And then um, after the scene takes place, uh, he's like, come, come play animals with me, Casey, or I'll tell your dad that you weren't a good girl and didn't do what I say. And so she, you know, kind of walks over there and, the, and then it cuts back to like him putting his clothes on and walking out and she's got the shotgun to him like ready to pull the trigger, but doesn't, and he takes it away from her. And then later on, it cuts to 
like a scene of her dad being dead and her uncle walks up to him or to her and she's like, don't worry, I'll make sure you're well taken care of. Um, so when the, the final, uh, the final personality, the beast manifests itself in this film and he's kind of killed the other two girls, he starts going after Casey and he kind of corners her and, and Casey's shooting him with a shotgun and he was like, um, you're unpure like me. And he was like the unpure, the damaged, they're the evolved ones. They're the evolved, per- they're the evolved man. And you see that she's kind of got cuts all over, like she was a cutter and all that to try and deal with her years of of sexual um, abuse that she'd obtained. And I feel like this is a, it's such a it's such a powerful story told in a film this way. And I kind of I kind of kind of commend M Night Shyamalan for going that route because I mean this is kind of a story and a situation and a subject matter that could have blew up in his face. But I think it's told so well throughout the story that it kind of plays into it plays into the character and it plays into how she is in the way she is and in how she's taking all of her past life experiences, good or bad, and using them to just try and survive this ordeal. It's it's kind of like she's got that personality with, you know, it whatever it takes to survive, whatever it takes to survive, whatever it takes to survive. And it it just it it's a bad way to say it compliments everything in that situation, but it really does. Um, it just like I said, it's a it's a tough subject matter to incorporate into something like this. And and Shyamalan, Emma Shyamalan did it very well and elegantly and tastefully, as much as you can in that type of subject matter. Overall, Split is a film I found myself enjoying from start to finish. The stumbles in the first act aren't enough to deter the film in any way. The fact that M. Night Shyamalan puts enough trust in fans asking him to take this ride with him and entrusting in them that they will stay involved enough in the film to stay to the end and watch all the pieces fall into place. Um, And once they do, kind of directing you to a bigger picture that is yet to be revealed and kind of play out more in Unbreakable 2. Um, I I really like that. I like the fact that he put that kind of faith in you. I like the, the, the twist at the end with um, Bruce Willis and David Dunn and how it kind of all plays out into it, it shows you that he's got this bigger world um, and bigger idea planned for Unbreakable. Um, he has yet to announce his next project, which is probably going to be Unbreakable too. I'm, I'm imagining and assuming that he's waiting um, a while for people to see Split so that way he doesn't ruin it for anyone. But all in all, I give Split an 8 out of 10. I think it deserves better than a 7.5% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that it's being kind of... Um, it, it's receiving some harsh criticism because of who directed it, because M. Night Shyamalan directed it. And I understand he hasn't had the best track record going, you know, in the past. And, and I would say he's returned to form. Go see Split if you haven't already. I mean, if you're listening to this part of the cast, you've already seen it because you know spoilers and all. But um, yeah, I, I think I think this this movie is safe to say that M Night Shyamalan has returned to form. I'm excited for Unbreakable too. I'm excited for all the the Unbreakable franchise going forward. Whether it's one more movie or two more movies or however many more movies they put in the Unbreakable world, um, I'm excited to see where it goes from that. So yeah. I give, I gave split, uh, split an eight out of 10. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Man and Matinee. I want to thank you all for listening and taking this adventure with me. Make sure to check out my next review when I'll be reviewing Resident Evil, the final chapter. So until then, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>